You sending the wolf? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Banana. Aristotle was not Belgian. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to get this episode to you. Uh, today, I am speaking with host, podcaster, producer, and all-around wonderful woman, Blair Bercy. And um, I've been teasing this episode for a little while. So this is sort of an informal part two to last week's episode with Christian Harloff, where we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark. And today, Blair and I are talking about Jaws. And, um, you know, it's been really fun. We were, I recorded this episode and Christian's episode just a couple of weeks apart. And in the meantime, got the opportunity, got the opportunity to rewatch the great um, HBO documentary about Steven Spielberg and his career. And so as a result of that, it was it was really exciting because um, it gave me an opportunity to reflect on my conversation with Christian and then, of course, um, you know, bring some of that into the bigger Spielberg conversation that I had with Blair centering around Jaws. So you guys know if you've listened to this uh, episode with Christian, uh, Jaws is my favorite Steven Spielberg movie and... Um, it's actually in my top seven favorite movies of all time, just in general. I, I love this movie. I grew up on this movie. I don't remember a time where I had not seen Jaws. I feel like this was a movie I saw very young and affected me very young as a fan of film um, and uh, and as a person who was scared all the time. And so, of course, any opportunity to go to the beach and I was terrified. Uh, but um this to me is is an iconic movie. It's a classic. It's perfect as far as I'm concerned. And I'm so surprised that it's taken this long for somebody to pick it. But I'm really, really glad that when it came down to it, the person who picked it was Blair. Um, Blair and I share a passion for scary movies, of course. Um, but Blair is just an all around wonderful woman. And she is uh, she's so well versed in cinema and film history. She's a fan. But she's also a producer and she's a writer and she's a host. And, um, you know, I, I loved having this opportunity to get her on the podcast because I actually met Blair for the first time when we were recording a podcast that she was producing for Shudder and AMC Networks about women in horror. And um, I can't wait to get that out there to you guys. I think it's going to be out really soon. Um, I know they're putting the finishing touches on it now, but it was, we had so many conversations for that podcast on mic and off mic that, that I, and our sensibilities are so in line and, and Blair has such an incredible take and, and, um, you know, and spin on, on her, on the way she sees film that, that I was thrilled to have her come onto my show and, and that we were talking about one of my favorite movies. And this is a really, you know, it's, it's a really chatty episode, um, in a good way. 
we have a lot of great detours um, talking about film and pop culture across the board that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Um, and Blair, in addition to being a producer, is the co-host of the Fish Netflix podcast, which is all about fashion and film. So if you like what you hear from her today, definitely listen to that podcast and check her out on all the social medias. I believe her handle across uh, Instagram and Twitter is Blair Bitch Project. Um, she's awesome. Definitely give her a follow and keep up with what she is doing. So here we go. Part two of our informal Spielberg uh, series, I guess. This is Blair Bercy talking about Jaws. Don't, you don't, do not censor that voice. I want to hear <laughs> all of it. And um, it's funny because we were talking about just the, the notes. Like usually, sometimes I write pages of notes. For mm-hmm. this one, I wrote one, two, three, four notes. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, have, I have one that's your podcast. I have one that's separate for movies that I was surprised that weren't on the list. Yes. And then I have a whole section on this movie. Then. I love it. Well, let's do it. Okay. We're in. We're going. Fantastic. Um. So... I uh, I wanna I wanted to kind of start by asking. I was really glad you picked this movie. Really? Yes. Okay. And because because no- it wasn't my first choice. Oh, what was your first choice? Tootsie. Oh yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mark Andreco stole it. But I will say I, <laughs> Mark Andre. Fuck you. No, I'm kidding. Can I curse? Yes. Of okay. Course. Um, I love you. I'm not gonna say it. But <laughs> I wanted to pick something that was. Going to be not linked to anybody too problematic, uh-huh. which I felt like we spent a lot of time on the podcast we did yes. together talking about Dustin Hoffman and yeah. his like abuse on set and just like his problematic nature. So that was problem number one that yeah. I was like, eh. And also, I really like scary-ish yeah. movies. So I wanted a, like a thriller, horror, something with, where the animal like is the bad guy. Why? Why? Because an animal is the bad guy. Because I am so sensitive. I've learned this in the year of our Lion King CGI feature coming. Yes. I don't like movies where an animal is killed or they die. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't, it affects, I've never seen the Lion King. As a grown ass person, Mm -hmm. I I don't see a lot of Disney movies for like sad reasons, just because I don't like sad films. I can do horror. But it, Every horror movie where there's like an animal that like gets stabbed or killed. Yeah. I just watched Poison Ivy again and I completely forgot, spoiler, that there's like a dead dog at the beginning and it fucked me for like an hour. I was like, yeah, but the dog, why? It's not, you know, it's funny since I got a dog, I see, uh, (laughs) I see in all animals' eyes on Mm -hmm. screen my dog. Mm -hmm. So like that can be cute little animals on screen that can be the dragons in Game of Thrones. Yes. Oh, yes. Like, they, they're doing oh, something yes. where they want you to see mm-hmm. your pet in that yes. in that animal. Or or it can be even in Kong Skull Island. I was so protective oh, of Kong. See? That's, yeah. I, I was very, like, I was like, and I'm not like that. I'm not even a King Kong person. But for some reason, Skull Island, I thought was a lot of fun. But King Kong, or Kong was my favorite character in the whole A hundred percent. I was like, kill everybody. Yes. Just give him back his island. Kill those, like, monster skull monster things. Well, and at the end of the day, too, like, spe- with respect to Jaws also, the I mean, the older I get, the more I'm like, that shark is not bother that shark so is that's just being reason, a shark. I don't know, reason. you yeah. know? Yeah, I that's another reason why I picked it because I feel like the shark <clears throat> is the people are the bad ones in this. Yeah. The shark is doing what sharks want to do and until they fuck with it, then it becomes a monster. Right. But before then it was like, hey, look, there's a snack, it's the middle of the night. 
and I could, I could go about my business, but now you guys want to mess with me. Yeah. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time cheering for the shark. It's tough. It's tough because like with shark exploitation, as they, <laughs> I don't know, is that a, is that a thing? I, I love that. I don't know if it is, but I will continue that for the rest of my life. I just like, I feel bad. And, and I, I do give credit where credit is due. Like Peter Benchley, um, was after Jaws, you know, the film came out and there was so much damage that was done to mm-hmm. sharks. He became like a very outspoken advocate for sharks yeah. because he's like felt indirectly or directly responsible for, you know, overfishing and yes. like people going out and killing these animals. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those. And I, this sounds like I could totally see how somebody listening to this would be like, oh, it's so PC. It's so, you know, like 2019 and it's like apologize. But it, it, I do feel like when one becomes educated mm-hmm. to the negative effects of something, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you can't still look at 47 meters down and be like, awesome. Right. But also, let's just point out that, like, we need to remember that sharks are not the enemy and they're real creatures and they're kind of important. Right. You know? No, 100%. I fully agree. I actually, I'm going to just say this. I watched this movie with kids around. Awesome. (laughs) So they had a lot of questions and they were like a little scared and I was explaining to them that you're more likely to be killed by a bunch of other things, which is really a fun thing to say to children, um, than a shark. There's like, so many other ways you could die. They're, <laughs> kids, kids, let me tell you, walking out the house, you're way more likely to die than anything else. But um, but that's one of those points that you bring up. Like, it's just, it's the representation of this shark is going to get you no matter where you go. And there's a, a, a need to attack people, which is not a real thing that sharks have. Right. They're just, they're swimming to live and living to swim and, like, eating, so. yeah. I love that this turned into the shark cast. I, the shark cast. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get our we'll get our disclaimer, our shark cast disclaimer out of the way to up top. But um, before we actually like dive into the movie, okay, because I have another thing. Oh, off what, topic. what is it? Um, I almost picked Aaron Brockovich. Oh, for one reason and one reason what is only. It? Do you watch The Real Housewives? No. Okay, like a hundred people just stop listening uh, to this no, podcast. They, they're like, I, I, they're now like, I'm now I'm actually extra intrigued. So one of the women from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is married to one of the lawyers that was in that firm oh. that sued that when that Aaron Brockovich came to in and worked real that life. sued PG&E. Yes. Nice. Tom Giardi. Yeah. Okay. Is, and she, there's probably like a 30-year age difference between them. Okay. Erica Jane, look Get her it. up. She's Get she's it. very fabulous. And he pursued her, and like there's this whole thing about their love story, and they love each other, and they Aww. live in Pasadena. But every single time he's on screen... That's all I, I'm like, this is the man that like brought down PG&E and completely changed it, how we look at like toxic stuff that goes into our body. And now he's on Real Housewives. Now he's on Real Housewives. I I love that. That's, I mean, listen, that is a, uh, an eclectic career and legacy that just spans so many, so many different things. one hand you have changing the world and the other hand you have, you know, Lisa Vanderpump Rosé. Giving, giving so many, uh, so many hours of entertainment uh, and clean water to drink. So there you go. Um, well. I was going to say off topic, but not. Um, have you watched, I'm sure you have, but the Us trailer? Oh. Jordan Peele's new movie, Us? Yes. Okay. So many times. Like, probably, I probably watched it twice on my phone, twice I put it on the screen, and then another time just showing people. Something. Okay. So can I point out that of all, the, of all the things that I liked about that trailer, and there were a lot... Can I say that the dressing your son in a Jaws t-shirt mm-hmm. to take him yes. to the beach yes. was my favorite thing? Because <laughs> yes. 
I'm going to be that parent. Yes. Like, I am totally going to be the one who brings my, my kid walks up and he's got like Jaws floaties or 100%. something. A hundred percent. This was, yeah. And by the way, that's exactly what it looked like when I was showing the kid, like kids, they were like the same age groups. So I, I love like, it. Probably like sunk into my brain that that would be okay from yeah. the trailer. Yeah. That Jordan Peele's brilliant. He, that movie's oh, yes. going to be so good. I'm very curious. Yeah. I'm very, do you have any theories about what like it's actually about? I, I didn't have any on my own. The internet has brainwashed ah, me. Ah, okay. So it taking place within the same universe as Get Out. Okay. People have come up with two theories that one, this is a version of what happens once somebody's within the body mm-hmm. and it kind of they, oh, it reacts inappropriately. So like maybe they cloned and this is like either a version before, I think they said a version after. I'm trying to think of where they, like, in the yeah, timeline. Yeah. So this is, like, another version of trying to get within people's bodies and uh-huh. the cloning not working out, which I kind of could understand because there's a whole scene with, like, lab bunnies. Yeah. So, like, test, there's, like, yep. a test bunny situation happening. So that was the one theory that I was like, I think that that might, I might believe a little bit more. Okay. Um, I don't remember the other one now. I, uh, so, and we know for sure that they're in the same universe. Not 100% sure. He mentioned that that's what his, okay. he wanted to create, like, this this universe. Okay. I'm wondering if if we're getting at an uh, us versus them, because it's called us. Mm-hmm. And so the, the notion of trusting people that look like you mm-hmm. and distrusting people that don't look like you and then when they literally look, look like, like you yeah. um that was sort of my like I, I and then I know nothing about this Same. I just just like that was my because I was thinking about the title yeah and the title of uh, you know us is like such a it doesn't roll off the tongue no um and uh, so it's a very deliberate choice yes and also there he said something that was like, oh yeah, sometimes we're we're our own worst enemy, yeah. which that leads to. That's yeah. what I think we're. That's what I think he's. That's what I think we're getting at based on one two minute trailer yeah. and nothing yep. else. And Lupita Nyong'o like snapping off beat, which is just yeah. Whatever. That bothered me for like a hot second. I was like, come on. Oh, so but I think excited. they put in that like that remix to I Got Five on it. That stripped down. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that song? would become like a hood classic yeah. about weed was going to turn into like Jaws. Yeah. Like, it has the same pacing. So it's, it's really cool. It's been really fun seeing like people's reactions mm-hmm. uh, to it. And I'm very curious. I hope they don't release anything else. I agree. I hope, cause that's what I, when I saw Get Out, I had zero expectations except I knew it was about African-American life and culture within this bubble of being yeah. transplanted. I didn't even know where it was. I, I, I think it's northern. Like Connecticut like, or yeah, upstate Vermont, New York yeah, or something? York. Yeah. But I'm, at the time, I, I had no idea. This, at least I know, is a Bay Area. Like, this takes place uh, up north. Yeah, so I have a different... But once you start learning these things, it it kind of shapes how you see things. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. And I agree. I don't need to see anything else. Yeah, nope. And, and I have a feeling, too, that... Um, if Jordan is as involved with the with the release of the film and the marketing is of the film, which because mo- so for our listeners at home, a lot of times directors have very little control yes. over the promotional materials yes. for their movie. For instance, my friend Neil Marshall, when the new Hellboy trailer came out, mm. he was horrified. Uh, he like on Facebook was was saying like that is not the movie I made. Wow. And um and 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 I'm. 
you know, marketing is marketing. Yes. But then you have some directors, um, like Gore Verbinski. He is so like really mm-hmm. um, like a cure for wellness is a is a good example. I did I had him on a show I was doing at the time, but I had to go through so many different people, not in your traditional studio way, like to get access to him because he was so protective over what got released. Mm-hmm. And if you if you watch the promotional materials for A Cure for Wellness and then you watch the movie, the whole second half of the movie is not in the promotional material. And that was shaped and created. He wanted to make sure. Exactly. Yeah. And so with Jordan, I have a feeling that he's definitely, he's probably, that was probably part of the deal is like, hey, you want my next movie? Right. Great. I am going to oversee this, 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 and this. And I think he also gave very clear instructions on who got access to it because God bless him. I've never in my life seen a more diverse and well-rounded group of people getting their first rounds of like PR materials. I was so happy. I mean, there are people who have been in this game decades longer than me Mm -hmm. and still I'm every time I get something I'm amazed. I'm like, why? I'm on no list. Like Like, none. Why do they have so I'm happy now that this group seems to be like the active participant, Twitter, tweeter, Facebook writer, blogger people that are their own business, which I love. Like, it's easy to send something to, like, a big house, but it's harder to find, like, an actual, like, fan. So I'm happy that it feels like they sent stuff to fans and are are giving them access to things. Whoever's doing the marketing is is very smart. Good job. Um, And speaking of marketing, Jaws. One thing that I did write down in my four notes Mm -hmm. that I took was um, how... It strikes me that if you watched this movie today, and I mean, we we could have this conversation literally all day long about if Jaws was made today, right? Yeah. We talk about it, and I'm sure, you know, with, with CG and visual effects, like we, I'm sure our listeners have heard, you know, the argument of, well, yeah, it would have, Jaws wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have been the movie that it is because the issue was the shark. And right. so that changed the way that you shot everything. Well, if you have a CG shark, you could just shoot it however you get exactly. the Exactly. Right, um, but that said, I notice how there are so few young people mm-hmm. that are that are in now. Granted, like Dreyfus was twenty eight, yeah. uh, you know, around. So he's the, but he, it's he's their young one. They referred him as like college boy, exactly. And I was like, he looks like somebody's daddy, exactly. Like, yeah, and but it is not a summer blockbuster action film that is that is obsessed with youth, yes. and teenagers, yes. and like you know, and their and sex appeal mm-hmm. essentially. Like this is a character drama, yes. Um, and I and I truly appreciate that, and I think it's part of the reason. Um, why the movie has endured because it is a character study of these men at different parts of their lives. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and you have the the good tropes. You have the old sea captain that's surly. You have kind of the the working father that is changing his life and just has his own set of vulnerabilities and yes. fears and just wants the best for his family. And then you have the go getter, like the hungry, nerdy, kind of cute, like. Richard Dreyfuss can get it. He was cute. He was, like, he was cute. He was this cute. this so is the like, cutest he's been. And I he's argue. and he's passionate and he's and he's not condescending, but mm-hmm. he's cocky. It's yeah. it's a nice combination. And any of those characters pushed an inch further would have been comedy. Yes. Would have been over the top, would have been a little too much. But they're just at that line of extreme depth yeah. to each one that it's it's perfect. Even um 
the mom. Um, oh, yeah, Lorraine uh, Gary. Yes. Yes. Fantastic, because she could have been hysterical. I mean, there are so many ways that that could have played out, but she didn't play it that way. It was very nuanced and honest yeah. and real and balanced, considering that there is a, you know, huge mega shark coming to kill your family. Yeah. This could have gone into hysterical woman, and it didn't. Yeah. It went to supportive, understanding realist and I, I appreciated that well and the realism too I think extends to all of the casting in this movie again like I watch this movie and I see real people oh yes you, that when uh, the baby was crying on the shore like I feel it's like so sad yeah I was like that <laughs> child does not know what's happening and they are really crying That's that little happening. baby is um you know I, I love the little boy that plays Michael mm-hmm. I think he is just so in addition to being adorable yeah. he he is this it's beautiful finds children oh, so good at that. that are just yes. the eyes it's the dog eye thing yes. you look at those kids and even though I had the same thing with uh, haunting uh, of Hill oh, House yes. I usually am like kill the kids don't care they're little they haven't experienced much get them out of here and every time I looked at those kids and, and the same was I'd say most kids in Steven Spielberg yeah. when you look at them it's the same thing it's the cutest deepest, most interesting yeah. part where you're like, look at this little human. This tiny human is cute and worthy yes. and smart and fun. So yeah. Yeah, they're they're really, really sweet. And also I think when you're invested in that family, and, and speaking about, you know, the the mom, it, you know, uh, I I feel like again, if this movie were made now, even if you want to cast a um, char- strong, you know, quiet character actor type like a Roy Scheider, you cast probably a young hot yep, mom, yep. you know, and, and it's like, no, these look like real people, real people that yeah. you know, and th- you, therefore you are more invested in. Yeah, and same with every person that lived in Amity. Yes. Every person that lived there was tan. I'm trying to be yeah. politically correct with how <laughs> dark that these people were. Yeah. Um, but not like, like the, the way that you would imagine a beach community. Yes. A little chill, a little retired, not really caring about much other than having the best life, partying, like some fun. And they looked very authentic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a really, um, it's a, it's a nice touch that I, I've been, over the holidays, um, HBO has been rerunning the um, Spielberg documentary that came out a few, um, like last year, I think. And um, it's a great it's a really cool, comprehensive look at his work and um, the trajectory of his career. And um, I mean, it's not perfect by any means, but like it's, I think for considering that it was made and that he sat for interviews, um, it's, it's does a good job of being critical, but, and, okay. and, you know, placing analysis forward, but also celebrating his legacy. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, this is a movie that is just, it's shocking to me that Spielberg was, again, like 28 mm-hmm. years old. Th- that is, because for my money, I think Jaws is perfect. Yes. Like, I, I really, really and truly think that as an action film, as a thriller, as a character study, as as a summer entertainment, yes. I, I think it's perfect. And the fact that he did this so young right. is just, I just... It's yeah. where you get to see his brilliance because I don't think that... I think it's the same... The same. The Richard Dreyfus character is, is Steven Spielberg to me. Yeah. So smart and so sure, doing something different in an environment where people have done the same thing or a similar thing or are familiar with one way of doing things and brings in 
another way to look at a situation. Right. And I feel like that is how he approached this film, that this could have been straightforward. This could have been above water. This could, There are a hundred ways to do this. And the things that he did differently and the things that are his, the, the, through his lens, mm -hmm. make this movie Make a lasting impression. Those are the moments that you remember. I mean, amongst other things. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And it was um, in this... It's funny, too, because, you know, the the production trouble on this movie is is notorious yeah. and famous. Um, but uh, just for a little context, one of the one of the things that I really enjoyed from uh, the Spielberg documentary when I was rewatching it was, was George Lucas talking about trying to get Raiders of the Lost Ark made mm -hmm. and how... Um, they Another had a, great one. Yeah, so good. Um, and for our listeners, uh, I think our episode's going to come out before. Maybe it won't, but um, Christian Harloff um, and I talked about Raiders. That oh. was his movie. Uh, but but Lucas was saying how he was taking that movie around, and, uh, and the studios either flat out said no, or they said... Uh, we'll do it with another director mm -hmm. because Steven Spielberg was known for going over, over budget, budget yeah. and over time yeah. on not only Jaws but on Close Encounters. Yeah. And so they didn't want to, they were like, he's not, we're going to set, if we give you $20 million, a $20 million budget, it's not going to be a $20 million budget. Right. And it was a, it was a gentleman's agreement between Spielberg and Lucas saying, I promise you, as my friend, I will, as your friend, I will adhere to this budget. We will right. not go over. We will, you know, and he didn't. And so, but it, it is amazing how far, uh, how far that he has come uh, in just such a short amount of time with respect to this movie. Yeah. But, yeah. I didn't know that. That's so funny that they were giving him shit for going over budget. Because yeah. now we hear that's like a normal thing now. Uh, right. It's like, so at the time I'm like, but he did make Close Encounters and he did make Jaws. So I'm like. A studio can figure it out. Yeah, and yes. and but they're like, you know, why would we want to work with this okay. guy when he's difficult? Right. Which is, or, or you know, and it's like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, brilliant. in some ways I don't disagree because it's like, yeah, make your movie under, on, yeah. you know, adhere to your Deliver budget. Deliver on time. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, these are two masterpieces. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess it could have gone, this. he could have faded off into the sunset and they would have been like, yeah, he was that guy that went over budget on two right. films and they never worked with him. But Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite scene or a favorite moment in this movie? Um, yes. It's, it? so one, it's it's fine to jump to the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. When Richard Dreyfus reappears, mm. because I, the first time, and then I think I must not have watched it, I thought, I don't know why I just assumed that, I think, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do is assume that the, the, that he dies and yeah. that the that when he shoots the compressed air, yes. that it, it's part of his back, whatever. I don't know why I can't talk about school. No, no, yeah. I'm like an instructor. I know these things. Are um, you really? No. Oh, I was I'm, about no, to say, hell no, no. I would what? never scuba dive. <laughs> hell no. We need to take a detour <laughs> right now because no. I need to know all about this. That's me being like oh, tongue-tied. But so when he reappeared, mm -hmm. I remember the first time being like giddy clap, like young enough to be like, oh my God, yay. Yeah. And then I remember seeing it again. I think we watched it, which once again, at summer camp. Oh, I think amazing. we had one of those times where it was like we were supposed to do something else and it rained. So they were like, okay. teenagers were like, let's put on Jaws for these kids. And I, same reaction. And so that I looked forward to this, that moment. I And I looked forward to seeing it with the kids again because I knew that they were going to be so excited. And they were 
it was so funny to see them be like, wait, he was dead. He And I was like, no, he was hiding at the bottom. He, he had his air. And they, they just couldn't understand. And they were like, they're friends. They lived. Yeah, so. That's sweet. Because you mourn him. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now everyone's going to die. Now that this is happening, now every, this shark is eating one by one, is mm-hmm. going to eat the boat and everyone on it. So you give up. Yeah. You think this is going to be like a situation. Same thing with like, I felt that way about Cujo, where I was just like, so nobody lives? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> so that part is my absolute favorite moment, aside from the bobbly, bloated, dead guy with, like... I, can't, I still couldn't look at it fully, but there's, like... His eyes, His eyes like, like, eaten, yeah. and, but there's, like, a shrimp in it or something. <laughs> there's something in his eye. I don't want to look at it fully, but that's... Yeah, that's my favorite scene. I, what you know, you? this is definitely a movie that... Um, probably my favorite Richard Dreyfuss um, performance. Ooh. Not necessarily saying it's his best, but I'm saying it's my favorite. Take um, that, Mr. Holland's Opus. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Um, but no, I just... I really... Uh, this is to me Dreyfus still being Dreyfus, and you're right. He's energetic. Mm-hmm. He he's um, but it it works within the character, and it doesn't feel like it's too much because right. the scope of this movie feels massive yes. because it's the ocean, right? And it's large predators, and so in theory, when you're dealing with when you put Richard Dreyfus on a beach, he can go as big as he wants, right? But at the end of the day, a uh, Robert Shaw as Quint is always going to be bigger and second of all you know he is he's dwarfed by the the scope of the film yes um and so for me it works and I also you know I I talked about this um on this show I we did Close Encounters um with um Scott Mance and uh but I just loathe Roy in uh Close Encounters you know I really don't like him I don't like my mom loves Close Encounters I do not like Close Encounters also don't they kill a bird or a rabbit I feel like they're multiple I'm sure they kill somebody yeah something they take the bird down first oh I don't know a rabbit they kill uh, there's death in there yeah but yeah I for whatever reason and I know it's not a nice I mean I I think the score of Close Encounters is probably the only thing I take away from it. Just yeah. like the audio cues and stuff. That I really enjoy and I respect, but I don't like Close Encounters as a film. Yeah, I don't either. And I think it's because it hinges on, for me at least, it hinges on Roy. Mm-hmm. And he's just, to me, such an unlikable like, character. Un- totally unlikable. Uh, and keep in mind, coming from a kid's perspective, there has to be either warmth or humor yes. for kids to understand. That's why I think people are like, well, you, when you get older, you'll appreciate it. I'm older and I still don't appreciate well, it. Well, yeah, because I think he's a despicable person. I mean, like, and again, if Scott Mansour here, he would say, Clark, no, 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 I love Roy. He's great, blah, blah, blah. But um, but I, to the with respect to the Dreyfus of it all, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, and again, it's not a criticism of any of the performances. Right. It's just... I like Richard Dreyfuss in this movie because he's doing his thing, but in a great, he has great foils Mm -hmm. to sort of balance him out. Because also Roy Scheider is so stoic in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, he's he's a nice minimalist approach to being the lead in a film and he does such a good job. And he's so, do you know what I realized? Hmm. That as a kid, I think I thought that was, and I, this could 100% be from going to Universal Studios. Hmm. I think I thought that was Anthony Perkins. Oh. I realized that, like, how, I was like, did, growing up at one point, did I think that this was the same person? But I could see again? that, but though. But in the ride, like, you go from the water to the to um, Bates Motel, yeah. and you can see him in the window, so I'm yes. wondering if that, I don't know, but that's this, that's the level of, like, minimal 
but a deep emotion yes. that we get from this song. Well, and also it's a very, um, you know, he, he, I always say this, but, but Brody reminds me a lot of my grandfather mm. and he's a, he, in that he's kind of, he's still and he's quiet, but he's funny yes. and he's likable yes. and he's, um, he's not cold, no. you know, which, which I appreciate because I think that, you know, when we think about um, you know, strong-jawed leading men. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes they're cold or they're aloof. But Brody's not like that. No, Brody's he's not. involved with his family. He he's talking with everybody. You know, yeah. he's he's a really in- cool character. And I respect his ability to adapt. Yes, I think that they brought up a lot of points that. In other films, they'd be sticking points. Yeah. He doesn't get in the water. He doesn't like this. He's from the city. This is new, and that would have been a problem. Those are lines that give you context to his character, but they don't stop the progression of the story at any point. Right. We know he does not like the water. We know he's new to this city, and he's still working with what he has, like the dumb fuck deputy that's like out there like smoking and not paying it. Like he's dealing with this and it's never like we have to move because at one point she said, he says we're going home and she said back to the city. And he was like, no to our home here. Mm -hmm. And you can even see like, that is a, a a natural way of thinking because I in line with the character thought the same thing. Like, Oh, he's like, we're getting the hell up out of here. And he's like, no, 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 we live here. I have a responsibility. And that kind of, you get all of those notes without being hit over the head with it. And I appreciate him not having to do the monologue of, I don't give up and I'm, you know, like, I'm the sheriff. And yeah. like, we didn't get any of that. You know what I just realized is, because I was thinking about about Brody and how Brody is. He's a sheriff of a, of a, of a small town. Yeah. So he knows everybody, right? Yes. That's small town politics. Um, and uh, and then you think about the Murray Hamilton as the politician yes, or as the mayor. mayor. And um, Who's well-dressed. We I have a podcast that does fashion. And I took a picture of his suit and I was like with the anchors. Oh, yeah. I was like, we might need to do an episode on Jaws and the fashion. He, I like the way that he, yeah. I like all his suits. He yeah. has like those, yeah, the, 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 the seersucker yes. or the. But it's colorful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, if, if nothing else, he is well-dressed mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not a good mayor. Um, by the way, one of my favorite internet jokes is uh is it's important to vote don't forget even the mayor in jaws got reelected because he's back in jaws too. <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> oh jaws um, too but um but as as we were talking about it i was thinking about you know how brody i was about to say he's almost like a politician and mm-hmm. then you go oh but he's not a politician because you know we see the politician but then i started thinking and it's like he kind of reminds me this might sound really crazy Uh-oh. but Brody kind of reminds me of a of a Barack Obama. Oh, I like, see that. Like he's strong, he's mm-hmm. smart, he's 100%, cool, a hundred percent. But he and it, and it, but he cares. But he's thoughtful, and he knows all the you know. He makes you feel like he knows you. He likes a good drink. Yeah, likes a good drink. You know what? Right. I think you're the first person ever in the history of <laughs> cinema to make that comparison. And now between shark exploitation and this. I mean, we're we're breaking ground <laughs> oh here God. on the pod. This Bro- is great. Chief Brody is the Barack Obama of Amity Island. I love That's this. what I'm saying. I don't know. It's just there's a type. No, of it's it's a hundred percent true. Cool man uh, that that I feel like they both are in terms of leadership. Yes, and you don't. It's the trust that you give without them needing to spell it out. That's right. I feel like with everybody else within this movie, they have to spell out their qualifications, yes. what they're going to do, yeah. their plan, what their motives are, and we just trust him. Yep. yep. He's 
us, but also leading us. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool, he's such a cool character. Uh, I love him. I love him. Um, and what else are in your notes? Um, nothing now. I have stuff for later. Um, there was something, I took a picture of something that I wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, let's look. Let's look up. I want to see, is it the suits? More suits? Oh, it might suits, be. Suits, suits, and more suits. Let's see how many pictures I have of suits. So many, so many bathing suits. So many seersucker suits. I know I was thoroughly, yeah, I have four pictures. I love of it. Of the suit. Yep, yep, I yep. love it. Yep. Also, yeah. Richard Dreyfus dresses yes. up. Yes, he's got his blazer on in the summertime. Yes, he does. I do like the way that they're all dressed. It's, um, yes. I remember what it was. Okay. Um, youth as fodder for the shark. I know that there's the moment where the mother is like mourning her yes. son. Yes. And that's fine. But I was so impressed with the fact that, I mean, aside from the dog that goes missing, yeah. that, that kids were thrown out there. Mm-hmm. And especially there's like that fake out scene where you think it's coming for the kids. Yeah. And adults are like pushing kids down to get yes. out of And I enjoyed that because I feel like we live and we operate in a more, and, and rightfully so in a lot of aspects, but in a more PC approach mm-hmm. to certain situations. And I don't think that we could make a movie now where those people wouldn't be villains. Totally. I'd, or or the movie would not be vilified for doing something like that or people would not be able to get past. Yeah. It lost like that. Yeah. I think if you do something like that, it has to be the catalyst for something like uh, Georgie in It. Mm-hmm. If that death happens, then that has to fuel the rest of the movie. Right. That was not true within this. These yeah. kids are about to get chomped the fuck down, and I thoroughly enjoy that. I, I don't know why. Yeah, they, no, the Alex the Alex Kittner scene, I think, is like, uh, it's really important because, the, well, here's the thing. What are you not supposed to do in a movie? Kill a kid or kill a dog? Right. And he does both, both in the same sequence. Very early on. Yes. yes. I mean, and it is, you know, this this movie in a lot of ways, I think, um, is a master class in a director communicating with his audience. Yes. So whether he's telling you uh, don't trust anything with the jump scare, mm-hmm. you know, there, or whether he's telling you anybody is disposable, mm-hmm. whether it's a small child, whether it's a dog, like it's all out there. Right. Um, and, uh, and then... And like when we get to the end, that you do believe that that um, that Richard Dreyfuss's character is gone, you yes. know, because because he's earned that. He's yes. basically told you, you know, don't get too attached. Right. This yeah. is what happens. Yeah. And also, I enjoyed that there they weren't too tropey. So at the beginning, we see the group that's having their bonfire. And sure. Yes, they're getting high and having some drinks, and then the boyfriend is so drunk he forgets to get in the water. Which fuck him. <laughs> but she got, jumps in and swims all the way out there. Good going, I know, girl. right? Like I was Michael like, wow. Phelps of like yes, weed smoking. I yes. was like, who in the fuck gets that high and just swims that far? Chrissy out? needs to go. She is. She's like Michael she's, Phelps. That's yeah. Michael Phelps' mom. Well, I mean, hey, Michael. Michael takes some bong ribs. <laughs> yes, but, he does. But you know, like I was just that was like the giveaway. But then in the end, it's like anybody else within. Once you get into the sharks territory, yes. then anybody can go. And yes. I, I enjoyed that. I, I appreciated it. And that. also putting into the into your mind that because um, if you also think about like the, the man-made structures that go out onto the water that are destroyed, whether it's the orca and other boats or, you know, a, a we are to believe that this shark demolished a dock. Okay, yes. Like, and pulls it down. Yes. Because, okay, so that was another note that I, I think I tr- that was the dynamite. So, I'm not thoroughly sure. Like, maybe this happens in Maine or up north. 
Or it's just like a crate. That part felt to me like the most like yeehaw, wild west, out of control, mass hysteria. Sorry to say it, but like old good old boy American bullshit. Yeah. Where they were like, $3,000, let's go, kill us a shark. And we have, they're chumming the, there's like boats full of men that are about to like capsize. It looked like fucking Dunkirk yes, for, yes. for shark Dunkirk. killing. It was like, Amazing. they were like hanging off the side of boats, chumming the water, throwing dynamite. I was like, what the fuck are you yeah. guys doing? Like, and these, keep in mind, this is like a sea-bearing community. Yeah. So we're not talking, they didn't go to like the local college and say like, hey bros, like, let's go kill. These are people that make their livelihood yeah. or at least part of their lives are spent with on, on these vessels. And they're just like, fuck this shit, which that was the part that I was like, I need more as like establishing character context yes. here because they said shark and money, and y'all jumped in the water like some fucking fools. Yeah. So then at that point, I'm like, eat everybody. But once again, when it's brought back around, that's not who gets it from the shark. It's all of these, like, innocents right. that are on the beach that are trying to support Amity and not scare people yeah. and, and live their life that they've known like clockwork. Summertime comes, it gets hot, we get in the water, this is how yes. we live. Yeah. I feel like there could have been more to explore on not being able, like, for a community that that is their, like, internal clock and how they live, yeah. not being able to get in the water for them was yeah. probably, like... a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, it's that, that very, that f- famous, uh, scene, the are you going to close the beaches mm-hmm. line, and, and they, they do try to sort of let us know in that one scene, yeah. but I agree. I, it would have been, there are, there are great character beats and mm-hmm. character moments, like, with the people on the beach or in, in various situations, whether it's the secretary mm-hmm. talking about the fence getting destroyed or, or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, the really feeling the livelihood and that this is important. But then again, I wonder if it's because in at this time in the 70s, you know, the notion of a local economy maybe made more sense to, to the widespread audience, mm-hmm. right? Because to me, the idea of a... If the beach was closed for a week or something, right. and that destroying right. everything, those are some high stakes. Yes. So I, but but again, I live in. I'm from a suburb in Atlanta, and right. I live in Los Angeles now. So it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's interesting that it was. I would I would venture to guess that that would be it could cripple yeah. them if they if they let it go on any further and the mayor was kind of like hey Stu you getting in that water oh come the God. fuck on man I need this favor like get in the water but at the same time it was it was interesting because they don't explain it in that way yeah. like it wasn't like the fishermen we're like, I need everybody. Like, you guys are are ruining the ecosystem, or we need to get back on our boats. Right. It was straight up the vacationers and like kids on like spring or summer summer vacation. break. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's um. I'm trying to see. Let's see if I have any uh any other notes. I'll just say for my audience, I don't need to hear me um say it a million times. But my favorite scene in Jaws is the scene at the kitchen table with Brody and his little son Michael, Aww. and they just sit there and they look at each other. And I say it all the time, but I'll say it again. If that scene was in a movie now, it would 
studio execs would try a, a horror movie mm-hmm. now oh. or a summer blockbuster now. Yes. It would the notes would be move it along, move it along, move it along. We gotta get to the next scene, gotta get to the next thing. hundred percent. That that scene does not need to be there. Right. But it needs to be there. Because right. we need to know more about Brody and, you know. And yeah, and it, it says so much. And as a viewer, I appreciated that moment because you can get into the whole, like, hungry, hungry hippos aspect of just, like, eat up all the people. Yeah. Hurry up, hurry up. So it gives that moment of, like, no, these people have more of a life and what they're doing it for and why he's fighting and why we need him to come back to shore and why everything needs to be okay otherwise. Yeah. And the juxtaposition, to just to call back to um, – Close Encounters, the juxtaposition between the father and son at the table in Jaws versus the father and son at the table in In, Close Encounters is just miles away. But I do think that those are two of the most effective character scenes in both of those movies. And and he's already sort of using, for whatever reason, you know— yeah. Father and son at the table mm-hmm. it has some triggers for Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, but but I I want to uh, let me run this by you because my audience is probably sick of they're they're probably like Clark you just say the same five things on your podcast over and over again. But okay, so I have said before that I think that James Wan could be the next Steven Spielberg. Okay. Now I'm not saying that he is now. I'm just saying that. You know, given the trajectory I and from what I see in James's work and the progression I see in James's work, and now that he's directed this huge, you know, Aquaman thing, mm-hmm. uh, and he's getting into blockbuster territory out of horror, um, and not to say that you know Furious Seven wasn't already a thing, but um, anyway, I think that James could be, and I point that out because you know. With the Conjuring movies, the first two, not the Annabelle spinoffs, um, the Warrens' relationship is very important to James, mm-hmm. and it's very important to Patrick and and Vera. And there's a scene in the Conjuring two where um, have you seen the Conjuring two? Uh, yes. And by the way, fun fact: I am an Ed and Lorraine purist, Stan, Ooh. huge fan. Love them like obsessed in the healthiest way with them. Like, had my mom take me to hear them speak at UCLA. Really? Yes. So I'm like a fan fan. So when I found out that they were doing these movies a long time ago, like, I was one of those irritating people that was like, that's not how Annabelle looks. That's not what would, that's, Lorraine would never, you know, Jane, like this. So I'm very happy he's created this entire universe with two people that dedicated their lives to, like, Ridding the world of bad shit, whether so you want to believe come, it or not. That's what I was about. So yeah. you come down, because there's so much controversy yeah. over them and the true stories and the real yes. stories. Were they con artists? Were, did they believe what they said? And that's the thing that's so interesting about Ed and Lorraine is that, like, the Perrin family, you know, says that they helped them. Or the family yeah. in the in the um, Conjuring 2 says that they helped them. But then you have other people say bad things about them. Fucking family in Edinburgh. Well, fuck them. Yeah, they're fucking Connor. No, um, I believe. I believe okay. whether and it's you know they say you're not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I believe that some people, it's not like medicine, and it's not. And medicine is doesn't help. One thing doesn't fix everybody. Yeah. Some people need Western medicine. Some people need Eastern sure. medicine. But I believe it's the same way. I believe there are people that had issues and were affected and afflicted by a presence, a thing an energy, a situation, and Ed and Lorraine helped Mm. those people and tried to help as much as possible. 
I don't see anything negative mm-hmm. within what they did. I don't see this is not a situation where they stole or made money or, you know, I just, I, and this could just be me loving them. So I don't see a downside to anything that they did because when they helped people, they thoroughly helped people and then offered up as much proof mm-hmm. as possible and were as open as you could be given the sensitivity and the depth of what they were trying to do. So Yeah, and I mean, I think... I don't know when we turn this into a ghost no, podcast. That's what I'm like. Girl, my, my show has no rules. We can talk like, about whatever we Ed want. I love Ed so much. No, I think that... And I think that there is something to be said for, believe, you know, if you believe something mm-hmm. and it helps you, mm-hmm. you know, like, belief, belief is a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Like across the board, no matter what, no yeah. matter if you want to apply that to the supernatural, to religion, mm-hmm. to politics, yeah. to pick something, yeah. you know? So I, I hear, I hear, I don't, by the way, I don't come down on one side or the other. I know very little about the, the Warrens, um, but I bring it up because the scene, so you have seen The Conjuring Yes. Too. Okay. So the scene in uh, The Conjuring 2 where Patrick Wilson basically like sings to little girls. Yes. And to me, that is the Brody and his son sitting at the table. Yes. You know, because it's a scene that doesn't need to be there, but, and and the fact that, that he was able to, to do this now mm-hmm. in in you know the tw- the 2010s on with big studio executives involved in big studio movies and saying no I know that this is a horror movie right but I am stopping everything and we're going to do this yes. also when you see James name on something you expect the scares you expect to be invested in the family or the people but you want scares or fast or you know you want the big yeah. moments and I think that that was a small and sensitive moment that you don't get from a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. No, I think, I I I would agree. I think it's hard to make things applicable. Like, comparing him to Stephen King, I mean, comparing him, see? I'm going to do it every day. <laughs> you you, comparing you him never to, got Stephen King on I the do. Brain. I love him, too. <laughs> comparing him to Steven Spielberg is, I think, I would agree, but it's hard because... They operate differently. Totally. He gets the ability to create this universe and to have a studio behind him right. where Steven Spielberg was still shopping yes. and trying to get people to understand his vision. So his lift was a little harder. James has a bigger responsibility because I don't think they're having budget questions with him. I think they're saying, tell us when and where and we'll give it to you. Totally. And yes, if you want to do four more movies about the Warrens and be sensitive with them because you know that they're parents and that they they really did have a daughter and like we need to be respectful, yeah. then he's allowed to do that. Yeah. So it's just different. But I I would, the trajectory and the path to greatness, I would agree that that there are, there are something. It, there, it remains to be seen. Yeah. I, like, I'm not saying that he's at all there yet, but I do think that, yeah, I do think that there's there's potential there. Yeah. I and, think he's su- supported more, though. Yes, you're right. In leaps and bounds, because we had Bonnie Aarons on the show who was saying that, like, the last, the oh, con- right. that one that they hated the way that the monster looked in The Conjuring 2 so that they came back in and she redid scenes for the nun yes as the nun yes because they did not like how it looked and i was like i mean you don't normally get that they just cut it out if they don't like it you right. don't get the ability to go back and and cast a character that affects two more movies the one after that comes next and the one before so yeah and then you get people like me who are like 
conjuring purists and I'm like, no, I want my Crooked Man movie. That yeah. was the cool thing. Yeah. Why, why is not, I'm glad Bonnie is working and like, yes. it's not anything about her. It's just like from a storytelling perspective, yeah. people like me are like, stop ruining my conjuring universe. But now it's just, it's a, be- it's a beast unto itself. Like it is out of, the conjuring universe is so big and mm. so vast and, um, and uh, I will always have my first Conjuring movie. Yeah, that you scared were, the shit out of me. It was terrifying. And once again, these are all like based on real entities that yeah. Ed and Lorraine fought and worked with the Vatican on some aspect. And well, Ed did. I, yeah, Ed more than Lorraine. But tried to help people work through. So yeah. I like that he's pulling from, yes. from something. So let's talk about um, the list oh. because everybody gets to uh, add a movie to the list that is not already oh, on the list. Oh yeah, and um, but uh, and that is because that came about because I, you know, um, noticed some glaring omissions myself, and so I was like, well, what would I add, you know? And, th- and that so now I give the guests my guests the opportunity to do the same. So, let, what are what are your thoughts? Okay, so I feel like. It's real white. Yeah. So there's oh, yeah. that. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. But I also felt like they it missed, and it, it could just be because the prestige of films that don't rely upon, you know, like comedy or horror, I feel like it was missing certain things that we're celebrating, like Jaws for mm-hmm. a perfect example. Like we've celebrated other films on the list for, so I feel like my first edition would be Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. Because I feel like that one embodies old school filmmaking tactics with a very unique and new story. And it's kind of a melting pot of genre. Mm -hmm. And I like that it has a musical moment and it is really scary in some points and it's really heartfelt and it deals with some real world shit. Like, and the score, like the fact that the work that was put into that film, which take anything out and it could be just campy or funny or too dark Mm -hmm. or, you know, so I, I like that it it walks the line between like Nightmare on Elm Street and like I don't know The Wizard of Oz, yeah. but it it's fun and it, it's good and the cast is amazing and I always look back on like the, what could have been because yes. I know like Bill Murray was up for the job like there are so many people that yeah. could have been Beetlejuice but you know Michael Keaton knocks it out of the park yes um so yeah I would add that and Tim Burton is um such a he he will be when they revise the list in twenty years mm-hmm. he he is an institution at this point you yes. know what I mean and of American filmmaking yes and. I think that I would agree, actually. I think that Beetlejuice is all of his best qualities that make him yes. an institution mm-hmm. firing on all cylinders. Yes, 100%. And he gets to stretch his creative fingers, so he gets his claymation. Yes. He gets his singing. He gets he gets all the stuff that he enjoys with his, like, weird Jonathan Adler aesthetic that yes. he loves to, like... Yes. <laughs> and he has that awesome character where... Um, Lydia's stepmom gets to be this artist. Mm-hmm. So then there's all this art. So it's respected. Like, so I, and there's like the social commentary. There's this weird Donald Trump character. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's like the perfect time capsule of a movie for the late 80s, but at the same time is timeless. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing in it that would, would, make it stick to a certain time. Right. Because they're just so extreme, like all the characters. Yeah. I love that one. That's a great choice. Um, 
I also want to add Ghostbusters. Okay. I don't know. Why isn't Ghost... I feel like Ghostbusters... It's probably on the comedy list. Okay. I looked. Oh, and it's not there? I thought it wasn't. Well, but either way, I I think that, you know, with these periphery lists, Mm. it's, it's a really... Like, it's throwing a bone in a way where I'm like, why don't you guys just respect it in the big list? You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't always have to be, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to say any, like, thing because it sounds like I'm disparaging whatever that thing is. But there there needs to be room in film appreciation for comedy, horror, science fiction, yes. fantasy, yes. and genre blending. Yes. You know what I mean? And so I think that and by the way, Ghostbusters was a movie that not only was um, you know, popular with with audio, it, it clearly touched a nerve mm-hmm. because it and and I think a lot of people would argue it's some of the best work that those four guys ever did. Yes. And yeah, and I I I think that to me it plays on all levels. Yeah. So it allows the city to be a character. Mm-hmm. It allows the monsters to be a character. It allows, there's a big bad and a smaller bad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, everyone loses and everyone wins in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So like the city is fucked. Like Peter's girlfriend's a demon. Like, yes. But at the same time, we are all in this together. Uh-huh. So I enjoy that. I don't see Ghostbusters on the oh, That's crazy. If Blazing Ghostbusters Saddle. is not on the comedy list, that's, that's true. No, and I went through it because that's why I was like, ooh, no. There's something about Mary is on this list, which is hilarious. Oh, it is. There it is. Okay. All right. It's on the list. That's I good. I take it back. But it's but that's good though, because yeah. it's like I I I think that there are scratching it off. No. <laughs> we could put it on the big list though. I yeah. think that that's, you know, like again, these movies, these genre films deserve to be in the conversation, in the bigger conversation with the you know, um it happened one night yeah. and or the Maltese like Falcon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that I think we, we talked about this earlier, but just the whole idea of a boys' club that is also a white men's mm-hmm. club, that is also a men's club. That yeah. I think as we progress and as we realize that the decision makers might not necessarily have been wrong, but definitely shaded uh-huh. by how they viewed things because of who they were. Yep. Um, I think that we'll start to see a more inclusive list because, and I'm I'm by no means the person to like point point out which ones should replace which ones. Sure, sure. I just know that it feels like it's lacking and missing some things, and not to that doesn't knock anything off the list. It just it it needs to be more like fair and balanced. Yeah. So totally. Yeah. Do you have any other ones? No, I had one more. I don't remember what what the heck does T. What would I have said T P B? The like, Princess Ooh. Bride. Oh, there you go. And, and How did you know that off? I was like, Clark, Jaws, Arrow, TVB, question mark? Okay, wow, great. So Judging by you're also the fact a mind that, reader. Well, the fact that you and I are basically the same person yes. at this point, clearly, like after all of our conversations, I feel like we have very so, similar tastes. I was like, what was I, TPB? Why wouldn't I write something out? What would, I didn't have the time to write. Yeah, the princess right. Yeah, well, you came to me with, with Jaws, Ghostbusters, and yeah. Beetlejuice. So I I know where you're, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got gotcha. so you. The, the Princess Bride. I feel like that's another one that has in fandom and withstanding with institutions now garnered respect. Yes, and and that's great. But I just want it on some. I want it etched in stone somewhere yeah. because I meet people 
all the time that have not seen it. Really? And it's still. Still. It's, and it's just one of those things that it isn't extreme enough so that it doesn't make the top of one list or the other. Yeah, totally. So it's not a Jaws. It's not a Psycho. It's not, um, you know, even something about Mary is still like one of those where you're like, oh, that was the first like 90s comedy to make. You know, yeah. it has those first and The Princess Bride is just perfect. Yes. In every way. So everybody, it's just one of those that like, I feel like if this was... 40 years ago, like grandparents would be pulling out a book and being like, children, gather around because we're going to read this. Yes. And if it was, you know, if we all stuck to like VHS tapes or just DVDs, yeah. like, and there was no streaming or they'd be like, kids sit down, it's time to watch this movie again. But we don't, we've all like kind of like shattered and gone our separate ways mm-hmm. with how we view our media and it, like imbibe and take things in. Um, so that's why I feel like it's one of those movies that's so good that it's just, it's like, slipping through the cracks a little bit. It makes yeah. me sad. Well, and I think too, you know, Rob Reiner, it's going to, I had this conversation with my friend Sam about, about Rob Reiner's legacy. Mm-hmm. And because when I think about misery, mm-hmm. when I think about um, The Princess Bride, Spinal Tap, uh, When Harry Met Sally, yeah. um, Stand By Me, there are just like so many incredible films there. Yeah. And, um, He's also a fantastic human being. An actor yeah. and comedian and yeah. so many things. But I, I bring up Rob, Rob Reiner because I think that when we are talking about the American Film Institute or are we talking about lists or whatever it is, it's almost like it's almost like every director gets to fight for one. Yes. Yeah, so if we're gonna do a Rob Reiner, it's gonna be when Harry met Sally. Right. Or, you know, like so they pick yes. and the Princess Bride is just one of those ones that gets not, it's the same thing with Steven Spielberg. It's the same thing. Yes. You know, it's everybody picks. Even, I mean, and I see it now with like J.J. Abrams. Like yeah. They, they start to go to their one and it's that note that the people kept, keep tapping over and over again for a new director is crazy. Yeah. The man has like 60 more years of like producing yeah. and figuring out like what he wants to do. He could literally decide to do animation next. Yeah. But like the fact that people go back to that one thing is what, like that's the one thing that I like about, I know social media has its downfalls, but like that's the one thing I love about Twitter. Yeah. It's just, we will go into the catalog and pull out the moments so that you don't forget that these people have a full body of work and that's the reason why we love and respect them. I think you just, I love what you just said about the full body of work. Yeah. It's really important to look at the full body of work yeah. because it because it does you know and to bring it back to Spielberg like one does inform the other. Yes. You know C- Christian Harloff and I were when we were recording the Raiders episode we were talking about that he works for um, a site called Collider and they oh, did like a yeah so they did a video essay of the top 10 it was just called top 10 Spielberg movies and you know they it's a talking head segment and they polled the people in the office and they we figured out how to make a list, but the question is like top ten, what mm-hmm. best favorite, right? Iconic, right? Like what do you what do we mean? And you know, one thing that they really struggled with behind the scenes was on their list, Schindler's list was not the f- number one pick because right. top 10 Steven Spielberg, but it was like number four. Right. And they were like, how do we, we know that technically this is probably his best film or the thing, his, his legacy, um, you know, it's the most personal film, like all those things. But, but the body of work informs, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It informs Schindler's List. And 
if he hadn't made Jaws, if he hadn't made Raiders, if he yeah. hadn't closing Car- 1941, all, yeah. Yeah. if he hadn't done all these things and had all of these experiences, Schindler's List wouldn't have come out the way that it did. True. You know, and um, I think even The Color Purple, they talk about in the documentary how he was opening himself up for ridiculous criticism <laughs> by by trying to adapt right. that film. Of course. And, uh, and how... You know, he chose to adapt the um, optimistic parts of the book and sort of leave out the more, not, right. you know, harsher parts of the book. But he probably wouldn't have made Schindler's List the way that he did. Had if, he not had that experience with the color right. purple. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's another reason why it's important to kind of diversify your group and casting and the way that you look things because I love the color purple mm-hmm. and I don't know if we need to see more pain or more darkness but and I don't I that's me I don't like stuff like that but I do know that for some people it makes the sweeter part sweeter right so some you do need that and that's why you know that's why there is a book that's why people can go back but if you're not going to do that then does it need to be represented on film I think there should have you know there should be some consideration Mm -hmm. given um but once again that it's still a a fantastic film and a lot of people wouldn't have been able to have it made yeah and not at that level it would have gotten made maybe you know half the people would have seen it a fraction of the people and now it's on you know it's 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 tied to a man who will never not be considered one of the greatest so it will always have a place and for that I'm you know that wins for me you know I'm like that he he didn't have to do that but he wanted to do that. And that's another thing that you have to look at. Like a lot of directors are great, but some of the stuff either feels so personal that it doesn't make sense or a cash grab. Yep. And I'm fine with a cash grab if it fuels something else. Mm-hmm. But there are the directors that make something that's just for them. And if people like it, that's fine. But I feel like Steven Spielberg makes stuff he wants to present. There's, you know, there's a home cook and there's a chef. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he cooks to have people come and eat and likes watching them yeah. enjoy the food as opposed to somebody that wants to gather a family around the table and just make something that, sure. that, that's their recipe. Yeah, that's, that's a, I think that's a great way to end. All right. This is so good. This, I have so, I'm having so much fun. I want to come back. I want to do more. I need I, to find, I'm good, just going to do the non-problematic Okay. Movies. But also, knock on wood, I have a terrible track record. So, like, if Richard Dreyfus like kicks a puppy tomorrow, like, <laughs> I'll be real sad. I think, you know, yeah, they've, they've all, you know what? At the end of the day, they've all got skeletons <laughs> in their closets. And, and don't we all? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it is what it is. But uh, come back anytime. Thank and this you. was great. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All friends that is going to do it for me today I hope you enjoyed that episode if you haven't listened to the Christian Harloff episode talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark give it a whirl uh, and also it might be worth going back and revisiting the Scott Mance episode where we talked about Close Encounters of the Third Kind um, it was a joy to have Blair I'll have more with her on the Patreon exclusive episode mini mini episode um, out this Thursday on Patreon it's Clark or it's patreon.com slash Clark Wolf um, and, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for, uh, checking out the show. If you haven't already, please tell your friends, um, rate and review the show, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, I think that's going to do it until Thursday. Alrighty friends have a wonderful week and I will see you then. Mm-hmm.